We're, we've been talking about um, finances and we've been talking about economies because economy is a, a building block in a, in a world view. Every world view that we know has a sort, certain economy. If it's a communistic world view, it has a certain economy. If it's uh, capitalism, it has a different economy. The church has an economy. And when I say church, I'm not talking about a Catholic church or a Presbyterian church or a, a Pentecostal church. I'm talking about the church of God, that God has a view on money, that God has an idea about money. And if we are believers, then we should have the same idea about money as God does. Now, in the previous sermons, we've, we've looked at... Um, we looked at uh, Economic studies man's behavior in relation to his wants, the things that he wants to have, and his resource, that is the things that he gets. So finances are a resource. His wants are maybe he wants a car, so he needs to get the finances to buy the car. So it's, that's all part of economy. There's lots of wants and lots of resources. We have a resource of time. We have a resource of energy. We have resources uh, of the uh, uh, material possessions that we have are our resources we can use them and and we have to adopt a, a mindset that is pleasing to god in our first sermon on economics liz taught us there were three secrets for not wanting and the first one was that we should seek our needs from our shepherd so the shepherd is the shepherd of the flock we are the flock and he's the one who is providing for all of our needs if you remember that uh, psalm 23 verse 1 it says the lord is my shepherd I shall not want. I don't need for anything. He said we should, give our, um, our sh- we should give as our shepherd gives us. So because he's involved in the giving and he provides for our needs, then we should then provide for the needs of others accordingly as the shepherd has provided for us. And if we need discernment about that, then uh, we need to ask the shepherd how much we should give, what we should give. We should determine in our hearts according to what the Holy Spirit is telling us what to give. And so for one person it may be a lot and for another person it may be less, but it's determined by God and, and the shepherd. He's in control of the sheep and that's how it should be. Last week I, I looked at three truths that uh, bring contentment. So the contentment is the feeling that I get when I don't have a need or don't have a want for anything. So there are three truths. And these three truths we, we looked at last week and it was God owns everything. Uh, God controls everything. He's in control of everything that we have. Whether we like it or not, he's in control of the, uh, the promotion we got or we didn't get. He's in control of our wage, the rise that we got or we didn't get or the demotion we got or we didn't get. He's in control of those things. And having that faith that God is in control takes away the stress of trying to have to control things yourself. And God provides everything. He knows exactly what we need. He's a good shepherd and he provides for all of our needs. Today I want to talk to you about handling wealth and the way that handling our wealth is a gauge, a spiritual gauge to our walk with Jesus. And I'm going to take us on a journey uh, with the story of Zacchaeus. Now if you see that very fadely there is a tree, that's a sycamore tree. That's the tree that uh, Zacchaeus climbed up. Well maybe not, but it's a tree like that tree. And trees in Jericho too. This is where Zacchaeus uh, wanted to see Jesus. So if you went to Luke chapter 19 in your Bibles, verses 1 to 10, you'll have the story there in front of you and you can read through just as we're going through. I want to draw some ideas out of that story that I think are quite relevant to us in terms of our wealth. And I want to then contrast 
uh, Zacchaeus story with the rich young ruler and show you the difference there so that you can see how wealth is a determiner or a gauge of your spiritual walk. It says there, this is Zacchaeus the man. We look, get to have a look at what's actually happening since then. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich and he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because the crowd, for he was a short, of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. So here we have Jesus coming through. Now you remember he had just been at the front there, just the passage before, if you look back at the passage before, he had just healed a, a blind man. So he'd come to the Jericho, he's walking towards Jericho and there's a blind man and he's calling out, uh, calling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stops and have mercy on him. And he heals this blind man. And so you can imagine there's quite a crowd around now. That's a notable miracle. If you healed somebody who is blind, they'd be making a lot of noise because they can see. And a lot of crowd would be hanging around saying, wow, this is a good thing. So there's a crowd pressing around Jesus because he's done this notable miracle on the outskirts of Jericho. Now, Zacchaeus we are told, wanted to see Jesus. He had a desire to see Jesus, but he was a short man. It was a small man. And the crowd was big and he couldn't get through and he couldn't see over the top. So he thought to himself, well, what I'll do is I'll run ahead and I'll climb a big tree and sit in the top branches of a big tree so I can look out over the top of everybody to see Jesus. That was what Zacchaeus did. So we're going to look at Zacchaeus and see if we can understand Zacchaeus and and who this man was and what he was about. Because I think there's some value in actually looking at Zacchaeus. We're told in verses 1 to 3 that he was a chief tax collector. The word chief is the word arche, tax collector. So it's on the front of... uh, So he was the first of the tax collectors. That means he was the most important of the tax collectors in this case. Out of all the tax collectors, he was the most important tax collector. So if you've got... uh, uh, tax collectors here this guy is the one that gets the most money because he's the chief these ones don't get as much because so Zacchaeus is a rich man because he is a chief tax collector now we knew that tax collectors back in those days were not very well liked in fact they were quite hated they they did a job for the Romans what they did is the Romans said now we're going to get some taxes off the Jewish people and we want those taxes so we need to have some Jewish people collect those taxes for us and so If you put your hand up to collect the taxes, you became a tax collector and everybody hated you. They hated you because you were the one who said, you know what, this is how much tax you've got to pay. And if you're a Jew, you really were at the the beck and call of the tax collector. He could tell you an inflated price. He could tell you too much. He He could really make life difficult for you because he could say, that's what they want. That's what they want. And he was going to collect it. So they hated tax collectors. Tax collectors were publicans, they were sinners, and the Jews did not enjoy their company. So while he was important amongst the tax collectors, and he's probably got a sense of status amongst the tax collectors, he was nevertheless well hated amongst the Jews. We're told he was rich, so he was very successful. He had lots of money. And the people who were paying the taxes probably didn't have a lot of money, but the man who collected the taxes had more money than they did. So he was very wealthy. That was another reason why he'd probably be hated. Not only was he a tax collector, but he was obviously a good tax collector because he took money off them and too much money because he was rich and they were not. And so that was obviously another reason why he probably wasn't going to be well-liked. And then we are told he was small in stature. 
There's a thing called a small man syndrome. I don't know whether you've heard of that one. It said that it sort of goes like this. It says, if you're a small person, then you generally overcompensate. So little people, it's like a little dog, you know. When you see a little dog, it barks loudest. It runs around fiercely. It goes, and barks really loud. And everybody jumps back because they don't know whether the little dog is going to bite them. The big dog generally goes, and just sort of stands there. The small man syndrome is a little bit like that in that, um, it compensates. People who are small generally compensate because they feel inferior to the bigger people. Well, that's the theory anyway. Well, we don't know whether that's true, but it's a theory. And we can say, well, maybe, maybe Zacchaeus was like this. Maybe Zacchaeus was, a, because he was a small man, he did everything well and he did it well because he had to compensate for the fact that he couldn't see over the top of the other people's heads. Anyway, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. He sought to see Jesus who he was, and he could not for the press because he was small in stature. And he ran before and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see, for he was to pass that way. So what did Zacchaeus do? I like the, the it said he sought to see Jesus. I like the word sought because it's a powerful word in the Greek. It, it says to seek in order to find, to seek a thing. It says by thinking, meditating, reasoning, to inquire into, to seek after, to seek for, to aim at, to strive after. And so here we have um, this idea. Zacchaeus so wanted to see Jesus. I mean, he didn't need to see Jesus. He's got plenty of money. He doesn't really need Jesus for anything, really. But he wanted to see Jesus. And he thought, you know, well, how can I see Jesus? I can't get around the crowd, can't see through the crowd. I know, I'm going to run ahead of the crowd. I'm going to, where are they going? He has to meditate on all this thing. He has to say, well, they're going to go up that way. I'll run ahead of them and I'll climb up a tree. He's had to process that whole thing through in his mind. That's taken activity. It's taken a certain amount of activity to think about where Jesus was going and how he could get into a position where he could see Jesus. So he's put a lot of effort into that. Then he had to get to the tree and he had to climb the tree. Well, you know what the, the Jews wear? They wear dresses. They wear skirts, they're long skirts, they're walking around. So he'd have to actually gird up his loins to climb up the tree because you couldn't climb up with a dress on, could you? So he'd have to actually get himself ready so he could climb up the tree and get himself comfortable so he could see Jesus. I like that. He sought Jesus. And it looks as he could not for the press that was around him. He faced difficulties, physical difficulties and limitations and insecurities. So Zacchaeus had problems to see Jesus. I want you to think about this in your life. I want you to think about seeking after Jesus. I want you to think about the, fa- the problems that you face in seeking after Jesus. What sort of limitations and hindrances do you face when you say, well, I'm going to seek after the Lord. I'm going to seek Jesus. I want to see Jesus. I want to find out who Jesus is. Are you a bit like Zacchaeus? You're smaller in your mind than others and you have to, have to do something more. You have to pay extra effort. You know, this is all part of what Zacchaeus did. He applied himself in his difficult situations to seek after Jesus. And there is, um, he climbed a tree. He chose to overcome his circumstances and to expend energy in the effort to seek Jesus. One of the things that you're going to have to find in your life, I suppose, if you desire to seek Jesus, is to find a place and a time to do that, to expend energy to do that. We oftentimes expect Jesus to drop in on us. You know, it's like, oh, I'm driving along, I'll drop in on me, Jesus, while I'm driving, or drop in on me while I'm sitting and watching the TV. We expect Jesus to actually drop in on us and to seek after us. Seek after me, search after me, I'm lost, you come and find me, Jesus. And what 
Zacchaeus is actually showing us here that he, he didn't actually wait for Jesus to seek after him. He sought after Jesus. And there is a biblical principle here. The principle that we're learning here is that Jesus rewards those who, who, who have an effort to search for him. Jesus rewards those who earnestly seek after him. Now, that's a biblical principle that we have. That if you seek after God, if you search after God, God will reward you. God will be found by you. The problem if you don't have God in your life, it's not because God is not interested in you. It's because you are not interested in God. Because if you were interested in God, you would seek after God and God would be found by you. This is what it says in the scripture. God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there is anyone who understands who seek God. So God is looking down from heaven saying, well, where are you? Where, where's the one who's seeking after me? He's not looking for a crowd of people to get together on Sunday and to sing his praise. He's looking for the individual who has a heart to seek after him. He's searching his eyes, searching for the one who will seek him. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17, it says, I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently will find me. In Isaiah 55 verse 6 it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Then in Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 we, we get the words, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Those who seek, find. So if we don't have something from God and we want something from God, then it's up to us to seek after it for, from God. See, this does not come to the passive. Passivity is the place that you sit and say, oh, I can't do anything about my situation. I can't help what I'm... Passivity means that you are inactive, showing no desire. God is not looking for passive individuals. He's looking for active individuals, individuals who will show desire, who will seek after him. There's a principle here. If you seek after God, you will find him. That's the principle. He's promised it in his word. He says in Hebrews 11 verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you diligently seek God, he will reward you. The principle is there again. Seek after God, he will reward you. So we know that Zacchaeus now has sought after God. It's almost so Jesus is now bound to reward that. I mean, he could have just walked past him and, and ignored the little man that was sitting up in the tree who was looking at him. But because it's a biblical principle, and because in the Old Testament it says quite clearly that he would reward those who seek him, he was duty-bound to take notice of Zacchaeus when he's sitting in the tree because Zacchaeus had done the first part. I'm seeking after now, and God was duty-bound to do the second part, to reward him for his search. We're told uh, in Isaiah 56, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Did we just do this one? He says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So he's promised in his word. There's a promise connected to the principle. If you do the principle, the promise is active for you. So here we are. We're back with Zacchaeus now. Zacchaeus is sitting up in the tree. The crowd is coming around now. He can see Jesus from his seat in the, in the, in the top of the tree. He's looking down at Jesus. He says, here he is, Jesus. Jesus is not a tall man. Jesus has not got blonde hair and blue eyes. Jesus is not a good-looking man. 
Isaiah 53 tells us that Jesus, there was no beauty in Jesus that we should behold him. So in a sense, Jesus was a bit like Zacchaeus. He wasn't that good looking. He was short, but he's there. He can see him. And it says in uh, Luke chapter 19, verses 5 to 6, it says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and he said to him. And I want to, to slow that down and just draw that out for you so you can see what Jesus did. It said he looked up. If you seek after God, you will get Jesus' attention. He looked up. That was the first thing that you've got to understand. When you seek after God, you get God's attention. I remember as a young man, I might have been only maybe eight or nine. And I, I was just thinking about this this morning. It just came through my mind when I was thinking about seeking after God. And I remember being at home in a house at Rose Street in, in Sydenham in Christchurch. And it was a daytime. I think it must have been a Saturday or something. And everybody out in the family was doing something surrounding the family. And I remember being in my room. And I remember thinking about God in my room. And I remember getting down on my knees in my bedroom as a little kid. I was only eight or nine, I suppose. You wouldn't have known this, Mum, because you weren't there. I was there by myself. And I can remember praying to God and saying to God at a very young age that I wanted to seek him, that I wanted to be his man. You know what I I think I got God's attention. I really do. I think that when God looks down at your young children and he sees a heart of faith that seeks after God, you get his attention. Like he's like, what was that? That was a mark. That was a mark read in a little room in New Zealand. And I think my life was sort of stuffed after that. Like, you don't want to get somebody's attention. I mean, you think about it. It's good being in a crowd because in the crowd you can hide. But just imagine if you're sitting in a crowd and you do something and then somebody's attracted to you because you've done something that's drawn the, the eye of the person that, who's at the front and they see you. They see you. You get their attention. That's what God is like. He's looking around. He's looking at all the people and he's looking for the one and when you seek after God, doesn't matter how old you are, when you seek after God, you get his attention. Here Zacchaeus sitting up in the tree, and Jesus didn't ignore him. He could have been walking around, there's crowds of people around. He could just walk straight past that tree and just been oblivious to the man in the tree. But you see, he had done something to seek God. And because he'd done something to seek God, God God's attention was drawn to him. And Jesus looked up at him. And it said he saw him. And I like that. He looked at him and then he saw him. Because that's two different things. You got his attention and then he focused in on him. Like he focused in on him and he said, I think that I know you. I think that I'm going to focus my attention on you. It's not just to be noticed, now it's to be seen. So Jesus now sees him he notices him he looks up he's up on the tree and he, he looks at him and his attention is now right on him and he focuses him and then he speaks to him he speaks to him i like that what's that come from where does that come from how many people want to have god speak to you how many people want to hear the spirit of god speak to you yeah you put your hand up if you want to hear god speak to you 
There's a principle here. There's a principle here. You want God to speak to you? Get his attention. How do you get his attention? Seek him. If you seek him, you'll get his attention. If you get his attention, he'll look at you. He'll look at your situation. He'll focus on you. He'll see where you are. He'll see your circumstances. He'll see what's going on in your life. He'll look at you. He'll get his attention. He'll see what's happening in your life. And then he will speak to you. It's a principle. It's a biblical principle. If you seek God, he'll be found by you. Simple. It's God's principle. Zacchaeus did it and showed us it works. And Jesus spoke to him, got a response. This is what he says. And Jesus came, Jesus speaks to Zacchaeus in verses 5 and 6. He says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. And so he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. Jesus spoke to Zacchaeus. He said, Zacchaeus, what does that tell us about seeking God? He called him by name. Now, we don't know how he knew his name. He might have said, who's that bloke up in the tree? Oh, that's Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Maybe. Or maybe it was just Jesus being in touch with God, and God says, that's Zacchaeus up in the tree. You know, you got his, you, you got his attention? His name is Zacchaeus. But he used his name. All right. You want God to speak to you. You want God to speak into your life. You want him to see your circumstances. But do you want him to call your name? Do you want him to say to you, Lashia, I have a plan for you, Lashia. It's your plan. You see, if you want to seek God and you want him to call your name, if you fulfill the first part, he knows your name and he will call you by name. He'll know your circumstances. He says, make haste and come down. He gave him some directions. Climb out of the tree. Get down out of your tree. Do it quickly. Get down out of your tree quickly. Today I want to have a meal at your place. So what we learn from that is he says, I know you, Zacchaeus. Now follow my instructions because he gave him some instructions. Follow my instructions. He says, I want to be with you. Wow. If you seek God, God will say to you, I know your name. Then he'll give you some instructions. He'll say, obey my instructions. And he'll say, I want to be with you. So the creator of the universe wants to be with Michael, wants to walk with Michael, wants to talk with Michael, wants to show Michael things that are to come, wants to breathe into Michael's life power and strength and energy. How does Michael get all that? Michael gets that when he begins to seek God with all his heart. When he seeks God, he'll be found by Michael. Michael will find Jesus and Jesus will speak to him and say, Michael, this is my direction for your life. Make haste. Do what I'm telling you. I want to be with you. God is not reluctant to be with anybody here. We are reluctant to seek him. He is not reluctant to being found. He says, my eye searches around to find those who are seeking me because I want to pay some attention to those people. The problem is we are seeking too many other things. We are seeking too much else in the world 
rather than we would seek God. We want to seek to know what happens in that next episode of whatever that thing is that we're watching during the week. Rather, we can seek to know God better. We want to seek another game or another thing that fills our life with trivia rather than we can seek to know God better. There's a principle here. Zacchaeus shows us the principle that if you seek God, God will be found by you. And so Zacchaeus follows Jesus' lead. He came down, made haste, came down and received him joyfully. He obeyed God's command and then he communed with God. He had some fellowship with God. And of course, when the crowd saw it, they all complained, saying, he's gone to be a guest with that man who is a sinner. You know that person that we hate, that short man that, that rips us off? He's, Jesus has actually gone. You'll always find that when you do this and God speaks to you, people will get jealous about that. Uh, who are you to have some commune with Jesus? Who are you to stand in that place with Jesus? Listen, don't worry about what other people are saying about your walk with God. You just do it. If you want to have God speak to you, just get to God. Speak to God. He will be found by you. And don't worry about what everybody else says. Everybody else will be a critic. Everybody else will say things against it. You just do what you have to do to find Jesus, to find a way with him. So what did, Jesus, what did Zacchaeus discover? This is what Zacchaeus discovered. Then Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, I give half of my goods, that's his possessions, his wealth and his property, to the poor. The people he's talking about when he's talking about poor people, he's those who are reduced to beggary, those who are asking alms, the destitute of wealth, those who have no influence, those who have no position and those who have no honor. He's talking, he says, I'm going to give half of everything that I possess to people who don't have anything. Now, isn't that amazing? You know, in that encounter with Jesus, Zacchaeus shows us something about what he discovered about the, Je- the Jesus he found. He found that Jesus was more than enough for anything. He didn't have to hoard. He didn't have to hang on to anything. He could actually have a heart that gave because Jesus was more than enough for him. Jesus was all that he would need. He could take half of his possessions and give them all away to people who had nothing. Why? Because he had Jesus and Jesus was enough. And then he discovered that if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, that is to exact money or wrongfully or to extort or to defraud, he says, I will restore fourfold. He found that he was accountable for his actions and that he had to actually fix things up that's what he discovered he said fellowship with jesus affects the way we handle health wealth a relationship with jesus produced a change in his economy he was a steward from that time on of god's resources and he helped those who were destitute and in relationship with jesus it changed his integrity so that he started to act differently with regard to money he didn't take more than he was allowed He didn't defraud men and women. He acted honestly with integrity and he was responsible to do business honestly. Relationship with Jesus has an effect on your back pocket. It seriously does. I want you to think about that. He could have found a lot of things, but the thing that marked his relationship with Jesus was the way it affected his idea of finance and wealth and possessions. That's what showed his relationship. 
So what was Jesus' response to Zacchaeus? And Zacchaeus' heart, a change of heart, he said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. He's a man of faith. So Jesus looked at him. We don't know what the dialogue was with Zacchaeus, but at the end of the exercise, we know that Zacchaeus, by the Holy Spirit, had been prompted to give away half of his stuff, to fix up anything that he had done wrong, and to follow Jesus with a different idea about his finances. Now, I want to contrast. We learn in the Bible from contrasting things. If you want to study the Bible well, sometimes it's a good thing to put one thing there and to contrast it with a different story on the other side. And so in the contrast, you can see something. So we're going to contrast the story of Zacchaeus with the story of the rich young ruler. Now, the rich young ruler is found in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 25. I chose that account. It's also found in Matthew and it's also found in Luke. But I've chosen Mark chapter 10 because it has a phrase that aren't in the other passages. And the phrase that it has in Mark that are not in the, other, in the others is it, that it has that uh, Jesus loved the man. And so let's read it and see what it says. Now, as he was going out for, on, the, on the road, one came running, knelt down before him, and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So, no, he's seeking an answer from Jesus. Okay? So, well, he's, the biblical is if you seek, you'll be finding. Okay? So, he's seeking. So, he's, he's doing the first thing right. You've got to seek. He wants to know how to have eternal life. He's seeking Jesus. So, Jesus, now he's getting his attention. He said, so, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God. That is God. No one is good, but that, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not commit murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud only your father and mother. He says, and answered to Jesus, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And then Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, I like that. It's different to the others. So we get to see a little bit of Jesus in here now. Jesus actually was interested in the man. He just wasn't teaching him or talking to him like a Pharisee who had an attitude. This guy's coming to Jesus, this rich young ruler's coming to Jesus, and he's asked the question, and Jesus is not teaching him like somebody who's just trying to have a go at him. Oh, you're just trying to have a go at me, and I'll expose you, and, 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 and then you'll run away. No, no, no. Jesus actually is interested in this man. We know that he's interested in him because the Bible tells us in Mark that he loved him. You seek after God. You get, his, you get his attention. When you get his attention, if God is love, you've got love's attention. And he loved this man. And so he said, uh, Jesus said, yeah, but one thing, remember, what do we know? You seek God and what's the next thing he does? You get his attention. Then what does he do? Gives you directions. Get down out of the tree. Make haste and get down out of the tree. Zacchaeus. Here's the directions to the rich young man. He says, one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up your cross and follow me. There's some good directions. He spoke to him. He sought after Jesus. He got Jesus' attention. Jesus turned around and spoke to him and then he gave him some directions. Now, he said to Zacchaeus, climb down out of your tree. He said to this man, get out of your tree. What was this man's tree? 
This man's tree was the security of all of his wealth. This man's tree was the branches of wealth and commerce that he had wrapped around himself. This man's tree was all the buying and selling and the, and the way he had made it all his. This man's tree was secure. This man's tree was, had a pillow in it. This man's tree had a cushion in it where he could sit on it. It was a comfortable tree. And Jesus said, get out of your tree. Give the tree to somebody else and come and follow me. And this man, you know what? I kind of like my seat in the tree. I enjoy the tree. And this man was sad at that word. He said, and he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. So did, so did uh, Zacchaeus. He, he was a rich man. This man is a rich man as well. But look, the difference. They both sought God. They both said, I'm interested in you, God. I'm interested in you, Jesus. What, I want eternal life. I want to have salvation. They both wanted salvation. But where did they stumble? Where did they fall? Where did this man fall? He fell when Jesus gave him the directions for his life. He told Zacchaeus to climb down out of the tree and to come in and he was going to commune with him. Zacchaeus immediately obeyed the, the command of Jesus. He gave this man some instructions and said to him, come down out of your tree now, go and get rid of all of your wealth and come and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. And you know what? This man was incapable of doing that. Nothing wrong with Jesus. Nothing wrong with the instructions. Something wrong with the man's heart. And you know, when you go and seek Jesus, you'll always find that he'll discover your heart. Because when he asks you to do something, it will be in conflict with what you want to do. When you seek Jesus, the first thing he'll do to you is say, I want you to go and do that. And then you'll have a test on your hand. And the test will be, who's in control of my life now? Is it Jesus or me? I remember another story when I was a young man. This time I'm a little older than my other young time. This time I was probably in my teenage years. Now, I told Graham, I don't know whether I told you, we worked in a church at Garden City. And the church at Garden City had an office windows along the side, you know, that came down across the road. And one of those windows in the church uh, building was loose. It, you couldn't lock it, you know, it was broken. You, could, you just couldn't shut it properly. In the middle of the night, you could open it and you could... So I'm going to tell you what I did. One night, I'm seeking after God, remember? I'm not living at home, so I wasn't at home. I was, this is after I'd um, left home. and I want to seek God. That was before they had red-eye cameras in the corners of the things and everything was alarmed. So I'm figuring that Jesus lives in a building. Because I didn't know then, you know, I was just learning, you know. There was a sacred building and that was where we had Jesus, you know. So I figured, oh, what I'll do is I'll go and pray in the building. But it's all locked up. But I remember, it's not all locked up. There's a window that's loose. So I slipped the window in the middle of the night. In, are you talking dark in the middle of the night, like 12 o'clock, you know? So I would have been breaking an entry. That's breaking an entry, isn't it? I've got to be careful with myself now. So I slipped the window. Sorry? It was open. So I can't... Cl- <laughs> it was open. <laughs> So I climbed in, 
And I walk through into this, the sanctuary, because we called the center the sanctuary. I walked through the sanctuary, and I got down on my knees in the dark of that big auditorium. And I started to pray. It's God, I'm seeking you. God, I'm seeking you. I just want to know you, God. What do you want me to do, God? And then he spoke to me. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to go and I want you to say, go to this person and say sorry to this person. Then I want you to go to this person and say sorry to that person. Then I want you to go to this person. You know, I didn't do this breaking in here and sitting down here to hear that. That was kind of the last thing I wanted to hear because the people he wanted me to say sorry to were the people I didn't think I needed to say sorry to. You see, now that's where Jesus looks at me. He sees that I got my attention. You're willing to go and break into a stupid building and get on your knees there. I go, I'm looking at you. Okay, I love you, Mark. Here's some instructions, some directions. And I said, they're good instructions, but I don't want to hear those ones. I want to hear different instructions, the ones that I like. I don't want to hear the instructions that you give me. I want to hear my instructions for my own life, you know, that I'm going to do this and be great in the kingdom of God. He said, no, no, you're going to die. This is the beginning of your death. Mark, you go and visit this person and you apologize to that person. You go and visit this. And and he gave me a list of them. He told me I had to apologize to all these people. You know, and that was the hardest thing that I could ever do. I got up there and I thought, oh, this is horrible. I, I wish I'd never even got through the window now. I wish I didn't have to do that. How many people have God has spoken to you and said, you need to apologize to somebody and you think, okay, I've got to go and do that now. And how many of you have done that? Go on and apologize to somebody you didn't want to apologize to. Isn't it the hardest thing to do? It's the self, self-effacing, humbling thing to do. And I was just so, at the end of the night, I just wished I hadn't sought God. But listen, when you seek God, he loves you and he marks you. He puts a tick on you and he says, you know, this person seeks me and I will be found by them. And I'm going to put my hand on you now and every time you speak and every time you work and every time you do something, I am going to speak to you about whether I like it or not and you'll fix it up. You will fix it up if it's wrong because you're my person. This man listened to Jesus. He wanted salvation. And Jesus says, go and sell it all, give it to the poor, then come, take up your cross, be willing to die, and follow me. I want to give you the weight of that calling. If he had responded positively, can I suggest to you we would have had 13 disciples? Because he called the others, and he called one, who was the devil, like Judas, And then in the book of Acts, they had to sit down and they had to decide who was going to take Judas's place. So they drew lots to find out who was going to take Judas. So there was going to be 12 disciples. You know, if he had responded, they wouldn't have had to do that. They would have had 13. And then when Judas said, they would have had 12. This is the same calling. Jesus loved him. and, And he said to him, the same as the others, sell it all, come and follow me. Take up your cross. Be my disciple. It's an awesome calling. It could have been, you know, what was his name? I don't know his name. We call him Thaddeus. Oh, no, he's already one, isn't he, Thaddeus? Philip. No, he's already one. George. We call him Disciple George. We could have had a gospel called George. 
The gospel according to George. He didn't want it. He went away sad. And then Jesus said, looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. See, Jesus speaks to the rich young man, go your way and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in it. Make haste, come down out of your tree. That's the same. Jesus speaks to the rich young man, come take your cross and follow me. I want to be with you. It's the same. I want to commune with you. I'm going to have a meal with you. It's the same. He's giving him exactly the same. It's the principle. If you seek God, you get that opportunity. The test is, of your spirituality in these two cases is what they did with their wealth. In both of these cases, the test of their spirituality was what they did with their wealth, whether their wealth owned them or they owned their wealth. And one, we have a man who says, I can't give it up. And the other one says, it's nothing. You're enough for me. I can give half of it away and then give restitution to anybody that I've cheated. The man was sad he liked the comfort of his tree. See, the way I handle wealth is a spiritual gauge that indicates how I am with God. And guess what? That's the last slide. Listen to what it says. Matthew chapter 6, 19 to 24. Don't store up treasure on here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Your eye is a lamp that provides light to your body. When your eye is good, your whole body will be filled of light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is the darkness? Think about that. If I think that I have Jesus, but I really don't, I have, G- I have myself and religious things, then that is darkness, and I think it's light. If Jesus says to me, listen, you have to give this away now, come follow me, and I can't do that, but I then just keep on going to church and keep on playing the churchy game, I'm still living in darkness. I just haven't found that Jesus is Lord. And there are lots and lots and lots of people who do that. When, when they seek Jesus and they find Jesus and Jesus speaks to them and they say, you know what? I like church, but I don't like to be obedient. And so they live in church, but they don't obey the Lord of the church. They don't obey Jesus. I want to challenge you today. I want you to think about this. I want to think about this principle. And I want you to think about the economic principle. Our society is all about stuff, what you belong to, or what, what you own, what you have it in, your, in your bank account, or what you drive, or, or, the, or the clothes that you wear. It's all about this stuff. What is it in God? You know, the way you use your stuff will indicate your life with God. Have you really sat down and thought about that? And said, Lord, what do you want me to do with my property? What do you want me to do with my wealth? What do you want me to do with what I earn? What do you want me to do with it? Now, I don't have to answer the question for you because that's not, that's, I have to answer my own question. You have to answer your own question. But you know what? I know one thing that if you seek the Lord, He will speak to you. And when He speaks to you, you'll have a challenge on your hands. You'll have a challenge to show that you love Him or a challenge to show that you 
don't love him and that you love yourself. No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to come around your words. We thank, thank you for the beautiful way that you touched Zacchaeus' life. Lord, we look at that and we see how his hunger and thirsting after righteousness, Father, was rewarded by you, Father. I thank you, Father, that you showed us that illustration of Zacchaeus, Father, so that we could learn from that, that there is a biblical principle that if we seek you, you will actually answer us, that you will speak to us and that you will instruct us, and Lord, that we can commune with you and follow you. Lord, I ask for this fellowship, O God, that we would be mindful of you, Father, mindful of what you want from us, Lord, that we would seek you early, Father, and Lord, that we would seek you late, Father, that we would seek you in the daytime and at the nighttime, Father, and Lord, that we would be found finding your will for our lives, Lord, and that we would do happily those things that you instruct us. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. God bless you.